Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Pastor Tim has Mike. Hey, We're, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, too. Thank I'm you. I'm doing well. We decided to have dueling mics did this you, morning. You built all this, didn't you? Didn't you do all I this? I did with Carolyn. You she helped really me, and nice she was job. wonderful. I think she's here. It looks nice. Thank you. It looks great. Man, you know what I, what I think when I look out and I see this many empty chairs? You know what I think? I think the Nazarenes aren't here yet. <laughs> they always come late. Yeah, I think you're right. The real Nazarenes always come late. We have no idea what it means to be on time. This is true. Can I interrupt your announcements today? Make yes. a couple of my own? Go for it. I have a mic too. <laughs> Unfortunately, you do. <laughs> a couple of things I want to mention today. As you came in, you found a, a white card there on a the seat beside you. That is because at the conclusion of our service, we're going to have a question and answer time with our candidate who will be preaching for us this morning in a few moments. I want to give you a little bit of instruction about this Q&A. We did it before the last pastor came, but you remember we were in COVID then? And you had to phone in your question. And we did it, uh, we streamed it. And I felt like I was at a Jerry Lewis telethon, you know. <laughs> How many more questions can we get in? But that card is there for you to write a question on because the Q&A with a pastoral candidate is not an inquisition. It is not a press conference where you stand up and shout out the question because we wouldn't hear you anyway. So you will write it on that card. Amen? Amen. You will write it on that card and the card will be brought to me. And then I will ask the question of our candidate. And I do that so that I can look through those questions and make sure they're good. <laughs> and if they're not, I rework them before I ask him the question. So that's why we're here today. It is a get acquainted time. A time for questions to be asked and for the candidate to share so that we can become better acquainted with who this person is. The other announcement that I have, I'm doing this pretty good, don't You're you think? you doing really good. Yeah, we should make this a regular thing. I may have to thing. do announcements all the time. <laughs> the other announcement I have is in regards to Christmas Eve. The Christmas Eve service is scheduled for 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock. You say, why 5 o'clock? Do you ever notice... Other churches that start the Christmas Eve services at 2 and 4 and 6 and 10 and midnight and all that, we're doing it at 5. <laughs> Solomon would say we're cutting the baby in half. We're doing it at 5, 5 o'clock. It will be a festive evening with fun. Let me tell you why. God created us in his image, which means he must have a sense of humor because we have one. So if you come early to the Christmas Eve service, I'm doing my best 
to get my friend that pastors the church in Pumpkin Center. His name is Earl Pike. And I'm trying to get him to be here early at our Christmas Eve service. So that will just be fun and festive. And everything about the service then will move toward the most important thing that we celebrate during this season, the birth of Christ. So I just want to encourage you to be here 5 o'clock Christmas Eve. It's already dark at 5 o'clock. So what difference does it make? (laughs) 5 o'clock. And then you can go home and have celebration with your family. So enough said. Let's hear what you've got to offer. Well, that's I a tough some, act to follow. I had some pretty good stuff That there. was really good stuff. Okay, what yeah. do you got? Well, we have prayer meeting on Wednesday, so we want you guys to be there. I know it's cold and it's dark and it's hard, but fight through and get there. You have prayer cards in the back. If you guys have any requests, please write them down. We want to pray over them. We also want to praise with you. I say that every week, but I I haven't yet got a praise card back. Mm. There's got to be, like for a while, there's got to be praises out there. No praises in this church. No praises in this church. No No joy. No praises. (laughs) So fill those out and then you can give them to me or put them in the offering and we'll make sure they're prayed over. And then let's see, what else do we have? We have next Sunday is our first annual Sunday where you wear ugly sweaters to oh, church. Oh, I was going to announce that. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I, <laughs> I forgot. It's, I saw on our post that we sent out, the, yeah. the, the little midweek thing, it said first ugly Sunday contest. <gasps> I got nothing. <laughs> ugly Sunday contest. And I thought, well, none of these people can come because they're all pretty. Yeah, well, you know, that's true. It's ugly sweat Christmas sweater. You've got one somewhere. Dig it out. Yep. And put it on next Sunday. Ugly Christmas sweater Sunday. Oh, I'll have one. You can count on that. Okay. It'll be fun. Have I messed you up enough? No. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Keep going. And then, uh, let's Can't see let here. Also, just to let you know that we have... The Women of Grace that meets on Thursdays is, won't be meeting until January 6th. So just if anybody didn't get that announcement, didn't go out in the e-blast this week, we want to make sure you're aware that they won't be meeting until January starts back up. So with that, let's stand and welcome the Holy Spirit in this morning, if you guys will. I'm excited. Did you come anticipating his presence? Are you ready for him? Because he's been waiting for you. So would you guys join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, we thank you for meeting us here this morning. Thank you for sitting here and waiting when the doors were open, before the lights were turned on. Father, we need your presence here today. This whole service is about you. It is about us coming to you and giving you everything we've got, laying down our hearts before you with a busy week, And hard things that are going on in some of our lives. Jesus, sometimes it's just hard to walk in the door sometimes. So those of us that don't have words to lay down, Lord, I pray that you will lift their spirits. I pray that your Holy Spirit will come in here this morning and completely take over. Lord, we need you and we want you here. 
There is no point in us doing anything unless you're the focus. So, Lord, would your spirit take over this morning, walk up and down these aisles, sit in the chairs with us. Lord, take over our hearts and our minds and help us to set everything aside and focus on you because we need you and we love you. Here's your kids, Jesus. We're going to give you our best. So we love you. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Let's worship.
offering now. This is part of our worship. It's so special during Christmas season to give offering just because, man, when you think of what God gave us during the season, it's remarkable. We can never outgive him, but he loves what our hearts are doing behind us, and I'm just so grateful for that. So we're going we're gonna to pray and ask him to just bless this this offering. So, Lord, we thank you. <laughs> How do we thank you? 
for the ultimate gift of Jesus. Wow. There's nothing we can't give you back that you can't do amazing, amazing things with. Lord, I pray that you'll reach deep down into our hearts and that you'll acknowledge whatever it is, Lord, that you're calling us to do with, with our giving, with, with so many ways that we can give to you. But Lord, I ask you to take this offering and multiply it. I ask you to win hearts for you. I ask you for salvation with reaching people through this. Lord, there's just miracles that are coming. So we're grateful for that. We ask your blessing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's stand and continue to worship.
Jesus. I pray we will be faithful to you and your word and your requirements of our hearts and your longing for relationship with us because we need you more than we ever know and sometimes more than we admit. The fact that you dwelled with us and that you still do through your spirit is a miracle that you would want us and you do, you just crave that time with us, Lord. I'm so grateful for you, Father. It is a precious time to be with you, Lord. So come. Come again, Lord. We pray for your return. And as we wait, Lord, I pray we will spread your word, your gospel, so we can take as many people with us as we can because they need you too. Help us to remember that. Help us to put that first in our hearts, Jesus, that they need you. We love you, Lord.
Well, Pastor Tim, I'm going to have you come back up. You're taking the phone. You're just taking everything. You just, <laughs> Miss McKenzie, Children's Church today. If they'd like to follow Miss McKenzie, she will. Those kids, you just follow her, and she'll lead you on. So we light the third candle today of Advent. It is the peace candle. And uh, the passage that came to me today, as I was thinking about that, was from the Gospel of Luke. And you remember the story as well as I do. But we like to hear those words again. And it is just this passage. There were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. His peace. Today... As we uh, embrace that peace candle and all of these that we have been lighting, we also have the opportunity to embrace a new friend who is here to uh, share with us this morning. His name is Jeremy Newland, and his family is here with him today, his wife Ray, and four of the most incredible kids I had a chance to meet earlier today. Their names are Dorcas and Hexabah, and uh, I'm making that up. That's not their names. Just wanted to embarrass them one more time if I could. But you know, Dorcas is a biblical name. Dorcas. Don't do that to your kids. Just don't do that. Would you please join me in welcoming our guest this morning, Pastor Jeremy Newland. such an honor to be here with you today. Uh, We were able to visit the town and meet many of you, and it was just a beautiful town. You guys seem such like a nice group of people. So thank you for embracing us and welcoming us, and I look forward to getting to know the rest of you more uh, later on. There's a handout in the front that hopefully you were able to get 
Uh, the reason I made the handout is we're primarily going to look at one passage in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. If you want to look at that, you can. But we're going to be going through some other things. And just so that you don't have to flip back and forth, back and forth, to try and figure out where we are, uh, we provided those for you. Today I want to talk about words. Words are important. And sometimes, especially in the Bible, when we talk about a word, it has so much meaning behind it. There are so many different components that make it up. One here, one there, one all over the place that make up this deep understanding of these deep words in Scripture. And sometimes maybe someone says, I got a hold of this component, and they think that they have all there is to understand of that word when there's so much more. Some of you may be listening and saying, I don't quite understand what you're saying. So to illustrate the point, I'll tell you a story about from our church. In our church, we have a lady, her name is Shirley Fisher. And whenever it's your birthday, she makes a German chocolate cake for everybody. It's awesome. So you go up and you get your cake and you take it home and you're so excited and you take a bite and you eat it and everyone says the same word. Delicious. Delicious. But there's so much more to it than that. Because you see, when you take a bite of that cake and you put it in your mouth, there is a moistness in it. It's not dry, it's moist. And then a chocolate flavor, a rich, sweet flavor hits your mouth. But not a rich, sweet flavor that's chocolate that you're like, ooh, that's too rich, I can't have any more. It's a flavor that leaves you wanting more. And that's not it. There is a hint of coconut in the icing. And you enjoy that coconut as you're finishing eating that bite. And it leaves a sweet aftertaste that makes you want more of the rest of the flavor. So you keep eating and eating and eating. And all of those different components of the coconut and the chocolate and the moistness and all those things, they make up this taste. And we describe it with one word. Delicious. And when we come to the Bible, there are some of those same types of deep words. Words like righteousness, grace, repent, regenerate, the new birth, and the one we're going to sit down and really focus on today is faith. Faith. Faith is very important. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it tells us this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's important. That's an important word. Not only without faith is it important to please God, but it is faith in Jesus by which we are saved. Faith in Jesus. To define that, you got it on your handout there. We'll talk about that faith in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. And it says this, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. It's another big word, and I won't take a whole time to talk about it. But in order to get the very small essence that I teach to children, of what righteousness is, is I tell them this simple thing. Righteousness is a right relationship with God that will produce 
right living in your life. That is a very small essence of what righteousness is. But right here it says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. It's not through obeying all the law, obeying all these rules, going and doing the sacrifices and following the festivals. That is not how you get that right relationship with God that will produce right living in your life. But it says here in Romans 3.21 that this righteousness has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. And this righteousness is given how? Through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Important to remember, believe also. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Remember that. There is no difference in Jew and Gentile. There's no difference if you are from one country or another or speak another language. No matter who you are, doesn't matter. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received, how? By faith. That faith is very, oh, I'm sorry, very important word. In Scripture, we see two other words that are used many times interchangeably with faith. They're synonymous. And those words are believe and trust. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes upon Him puts their faith, trust in Him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. They're used interchangeably. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust, believe, faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Faith, believe, trust, big words. And you say, Jeremy, you're talking about how big this word and how important it is, but what is it? There are some people you talk to as Christians and you say, what is faith? And they'll give you a blank stare like, I don't know. It's not that they don't have it. It's that they don't know how to articulate what it is that they have. Fortunate for us, Scripture gives us the definition. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11. The faithful hall of fame. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, in the King James Version, it defines faith for us as this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I find the NIV is easier to explain to people what, it, what faith is and what it means. It's the same thing, just a slightly different wording. And it says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What do we hope for? We hope that the blood of Jesus will cleanse us of our sins. That His death on the cross, when we have that upon us, that we will be changed by His Holy Spirit. That there will be a new birth. And that Holy Spirit will guide us. And we will begin to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And as we walk this journey of faith, walking with God, our hope that is when we die or when Jesus comes again, that we will stand before God the Father and He will say, because of the blood of Jesus, well done, good and faithful service. Enter in with me and we will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. That is what we hope for. 
Are you sure of it? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What do we not see? So many things. I've never seen heaven. I've never seen hell. I've never seen angels or demons. I wasn't there and didn't see when Jesus died on the cross. I wasn't there when He rose from the dead. I wasn't there when He ascended into heaven and is now at the right hand of the Father advocating for us. I have not seen any of these things. I didn't see Him walk on water. I didn't see Him raise Lazarus or heal the blind. I wasn't there and didn't see when Jonah was swallowed by the great fish or Elijah and the prophets of Baal when fire came down and consumed the altar. I didn't see when God created all that is on six days and rested on the seventh. I haven't seen any of that. But I'm certain of it. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I'm giving you all these components, all these components that make up this word faith. And there's one component that's very important. And that's this. Loyalty. Loyalty. Such a popular word right now. You know, you see people, they get these tattoos, they'll say, like, loyalty across their forearm, or loyalty on their hoodies, they wear it around, I'm loyal. And what are they saying? And what is loyalty when it pertains to faith? It is saying this, no matter what happens, good or bad, I'm following the Lord. No matter what may come, hard times, I'm following the Lord. Many of you have attended this church for a long time. And the fact that you're still here, in the good times, the bad times, is a testament to your loyalty to this church. And it is a credit to you. But that loyalty is for Christ and for the Lord. A guy in Scripture that we see this idea of loyalty is Job. And we'll just read a brief section in Job. Job chapter 1, verse 18. A very hard time for him. And it says this, While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and your daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I am the only one who escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and he tore his robe and he shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. The darkest hour in Job's life. And he said, May the name of the Lord be praised. His loyalty was to God. In Job chapter 13, verse 15, he even says this, Though He slay me, still will I trust Him. Still will I believe in Him. Still will I put my faith in Him. Loyalty. And so we come to our passage for today. And it is in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. And it is the faith of a Canaanite woman. And some of you know this story. Some of you are pastors. And you may be thinking to yourself, why in the world would you pick this story? This is one of the most difficult, offensive, hard stories in probably all of the New Testament. 
And you pick this story. Why? I want to teach you this principle. I want to teach you this principle. And we find it in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And it says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed. It comes from Him and it is useful. The King James says, profitable. We live in a time that some in Christianity and in America and across the world, they say, this part of the Bible or that part of the Bible, it's not useful. I don't like it. It's not profitable. We have some who say the entire Old Testament, the entire Old Testament, I don't like it. I just like the New Testament. We have some who say, I like the teachings of Jesus. I don't like the teachings of of Paul in the New Testament. I'm just going to focus on the teachings of Jesus and ignore all the rest. They're not useful. And it's like a fast food or a, a cafeteria. You walk in and say, I want the mashed potatoes, but I don't want the green beans. I want this. And we're picking and choosing from the Bible and saying, this part's good, this part isn't. I'm going to pick whatever I want. And we know that all Scripture is useful. What is God trying to do with us here with these 66 books of the Old and New Testament? He is trying to reveal to us who He is. And He's also trying to reveal to us who we are. This entire Scripture is needed if we are going to get an accurate understanding of who God is. And if we start removing parts then our understanding of who God is is distorted. And it's changed. So we come to this text, a very difficult text, and even an offensive text. And we say this, God, I know it's from You and it's useful. What are You trying to teach me? Are You trying to correct me? Are You trying to rebuke me? Or are you trying to train me in righteousness? So with that understanding, that principle, I hope you will take with you when you read the Bible. Let's read this text. And it says this. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. That is outside of Israel. In His three years of ministry... He primarily stayed in Israel. This is the only place that I am aware of that he left the bounds of Israel. And up comes a Canaanite woman from that vicinity. And she came crying out to her, to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. She says, Lord, son of David. That is an indicator that she possibly is aware of the prophecies of the Messiah. It's also an indicator that she possibly is saying, Jesus, I believe that You are the Messiah. She says, Lord, Son of David. And she comes to Jesus and she's wanting what? Love. Healing. 
She's wanting help. She's hurting. She's suffering for her family member. And she comes to Jesus hoping that He will give her all of those things. And what happens? Jesus did not answer a word. He ignored her. So His disciples came to Him and urged Him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. We know, we just read, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. doesn't matter. We know in the Old Testament that it tells us He will call a people who is not His people His people. That the entire, all nations will be blessed through the seed of Abraham. We see that we will be grafted in. Jesus is not saying if you're not a Jew, you cannot be saved. But during His three years, His earthly ministry, He was focusing on the children of Israel. And He tells her. First, He ignores her. His disciples say, help her, or do something. And He says, no. But that's not it. It goes on. The the woman, she wasn't given up. She came and she knelt before Him. And she said, Lord, help me. She's begging Him. And Jesus replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Stop right there. Let's not read any further. Jesus ignores her. He tells her no. And then He calls her a dog. And there are some people who would read this text and may be sitting here And they would say, that's not my Jesus. My Jesus, if someone comes to them, He always helps them. My Jesus is always giving a kind word. He would never say anything that would hurt someone's feelings. My Jesus would never be angry or show aggression or do anything unpleasant. Not my Jesus which I say to you with love and encouragement. If you say that's not your Jesus, I must tell you, this is the Jesus of the Bible. I did not make this story up. This story is in your Bible. You see, some people are like, Jesus is a gentle lamb. He's so gentle. And they are right. Jesus is the Lamb of God. But there's something else. He's also the Lion of Judah. Would your Jesus sit up on top of a mountain overlooking the temple? And His people coming from all over the known world, they're coming to worship God. They love God. They want to offer sacrifice to God. And as they come to the temple, they come to the money changers and they say, you can't use your money from your country You've got to use the temple money. You're going to have to exchange it with us. And the exchange rate is ridiculous. And then they they get nothing for what they gave, and they go in and they say, I want to buy a sacrifice so that I can worship God. And the people who are selling sacrifices say, oh, it's going to be five, six, ten, who knows how many times more than what you're used to. And the people walk in to sacrifice to God. And Jesus overlooks that and sees how His people who love God are being taken advantage of. That they are being robbed. 
And Jesus, in His holy and righteous anger, makes a whip. And He uses that whip. And He goes in and He clears the temple and rips, knocks over the tables, turns it all over, and He says, My Father's house will be a house of prayer. Is that your Jesus? Does your Jesus... He loves the little children. And He says, let them come to Me. I love these little kids. These little kids are awesome. We, oh, bring the little children to Me. And that same Jesus, because of His love for the children, you know what He says? If anyone offends one of these little ones, if anyone causes one of these little ones that believe in Me to sin, it would be better for you if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the depths of the sea. Our Jesus loves. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And then down at the end, it says, love protects. Love protects. Is that your Jesus? And when we come to this passage, you say, Yes, love protects, and I understand all the things about the temple and all those things, but this isn't, this isn't a passage about protecting or any of that love through protection. This is a passage where just like Jesus is like, I don't understand what's happening here. In order to understand what's happening here, you have to understand two things. Who Jesus is and who this woman is. So let's look at who Jesus is. There are many passages that reiterate this point that we're looking at. But in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In John chapter 1, when it talks about the Word, it's talking about Jesus. So when we go to John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made and that has been made, and in Him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. We're celebrating this Advent season, Christmas, and the revelation of Jesus Christ, but that wasn't when He first showed up. All throughout the Old Testament, when things were happening and God was showing up, guess who was there? Jesus. Micah 5.2. Micah 5.2 is a prophecy about the coming Messiah, Jesus, written hundreds of years before Jesus, and it says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler for my people Israel. And what does it say? One whose origins are of old from ancient times. When He shows up, that's not going to be the first day He was in existence. When He showed up as a little baby, He was already very old from ancient times. So when we look in the Old Testament and we see what God does in times of judgment, when God says things, when we look at the exile, and we look at when they were coming out of Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea and all of those things, Jesus was there and when God made a judgment or proclamation, Jesus was with God saying the same thing. They weren't fighting. It wasn't like Jesus was like, no God, don't do this. They were in harmony and together they were in agreement. That is who Jesus is. So who is this woman? 
Bible doesn't tell us much, but it tells us this. She's a Canaanite woman, and she's from the region of Tyre and Sidon. So with this knowledge of who Jesus is and who this woman is, we should look back, back, back in the Old Testament and see what God has to say with Jesus in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1 through 4. He's talking to His people Israel and what is going to happen when they come into the land He is giving them. And this is what God says. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Heatites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and then one more, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, Heavites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Kill them all. Make no treaty with them, and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will, be, they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger... Yeah, God does get angry. The Lord's angry will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. The Canaanites are supposed to be destroyed, and we won't go into these next few passages because they're lengthy, and I know that we've looked at a lot of Scripture already, but let me tell you what, they didn't do it. When God brought them into the land, they didn't destroy the Canaanites and all those people. And God says, they're going to be a snare to you. They're going to be a trap to you. We talked about Canaanites. In Jeremiah here, you can look at it later in your Bible study. I hope you take this and study it throughout the week. Some of these I hope you commit to memory. But in Jeremiah here, God is talking about the cup of the wrath of God. And you know what He says? If you look in verse 22, he says, all the kings, talking about these nations, he says, the kings of the Tyre and of Sidon, you drink the cup of the wrath of God. So we look at this woman. She's a Canaanite from the region of Tyre and Sidon. And she's walking to Jesus. And what does Jesus see? A woman that is destined for destruction. A woman from a region that is meant to drink the cup of the wrath of God. A reminder that His people Israel are disobedient. She deserves the wrath and the destruction. And what does she come wanting? Love. Healing for her pain. Mercy and grace. And when you understand who she is, you start to understand why Jesus said what He said. But let's read the rest of the story. Matthew chapter, 20, or chapter 15, verse 27. She's asking for help. He ignores her. Continues, no, continues. He says, I'm not going to give the children's bread to the dogs. And most people would be angry and would return it with some type of insult or argument or whatever. But what does she do here? She says this, Yes, it is, Lord, it is right to give the children's bread to their dogs. 
Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great what? Faith. You have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. What did she do? She humbled herself. You're right. You're right. And when Jesus came to her and said, You're a dog. You know what she said? But I'm your dog. If you say I'm a dog, I'm a dog. But I'm your dog. Whatever you say about me is true. But I know this, if I'm yours, I'm okay. Because I know you take care of your children. And I know, Lord, that you take care of whatever is yours. And if it means that I have to be a dog to be yours, I'm going to do it because I trust in you. And Jesus praised her. Wouldn't you love to hear Jesus say, what great faith you have. What great faith you have. Some of you today, we're looking at this story and all these things. And you can relate to it. Because you've been praying about something for weeks or months or years. And you've got a history. You've got pain from your past. Like this woman who had pain. This is the Gospel. She comes to Him worthy of wrath. And maybe some of you have been praying about something and you just feel like you're being ignored. You feel like God's saying no. You feel like you're the lowest of the low in the kingdom of heaven. And I say to you, be encouraged and stay loyal to God no matter what you're going through. Stay loyal to God no matter what you're going through just like this woman did. And be certain of what you do not see, that your perseverance will be rewarded in the end. I came here today. I wanted to teach you about faith. I wanted to teach you about a lot of things. But more than anything, I wanted to encourage you. I want to encourage you. We're not believing in vain. Our Lord loves us. And no matter what's going on, even if you get the crumbs from His table, it is enough. If you will, let's join in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this story. It encourages me. Even this story that's so hard. I pray for the church here at Woodland Park. I pray that You would bless them and that they would persevere in their faith no matter what comes. I pray that You would be with me and help me persevere no matter what comes. I ask it all in the wonderful name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you, Pastor, Pastor Jeremy. Um, 
So what I'd like to do, we have currently uh, some finger foods available over here on the table, uh, or they will be in a matter of seconds. And uh, I want you to feel free to make your way over there. If you need something to drink, it's in the cafe. Finger foods over here. And we will uh, uh, begin the process of asking some questions. We also want to make sure we have some extra cards in case someone didn't get one. You just lift your hand uh, as uh, Lori walks around. We'll make sure we get you another card and uh, you can write your own question on that card. But what I'd like to do is kind of bring our morning worship service to a conclusion. And then we will move into our uh, get acquainted time with Pastor Jeremy. So let me just grant, uh, share with you a blessing today. And then if you feel like you must leave, or this part of this event does not uh, relate to you, you may, fe may feel free to slip away. But let me bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, and give you peace. Go in peace. The Lord bless you today. Let's just take about two minutes, just a little break here, and then uh, we will carry on. So, uh, And let me just mention also that uh, the, the food that's been prepared, I mentioned it's a finger food. It's, it's, it's not lunch. It's not a buffet. <laughs> it's just something to hold you over until you can get to the buffet. Because a number of you, I know, are hungry by the time we get finished here, because I've seen you running <laughs> helter-skelter to some place to eat after the service. So we're trying to give you a little bit of a break here. And I'm going to wait until I get a, a wave of the hand from Sister Jane or someone over there at that table. They're working feverishly right now to uh, have that prepared. Yes, if you have a question, if you'll pass it to the end of the row, uh, Lori will pick those up, and uh, we will share those together.